Okay, welcome to episode 42 of the MUFC podcast. Monday afternoon, absolutely ruined again, Larry. Oh, well, uh, unlike you, I didn't brave the wake-up. I watched the game in my morning commute, so if you're not cranky enough at 6am, one way to anger yourself some more is watch United play these days. It was extremely painful, obviously, and we will get into it. I think it will be a bit of a, a lively podcast, but we'll try and start on a positive if we can cast our mind back. Um, we'll almost just get it over and done with the 3-2-1 votes from the Astana match, um, which was a refreshing sort of change from the usual stuff we dished out. Yeah, I really liked seeing a whole bunch of young kids. Six six players got their debuts. There, there, there was records all along. If you follow Mr. Mujak on Twitter, some of the stats he comes out with over the history of the clubs, um, really, really impressive. But there was something like 10 or 12 stats that were broken in terms of the debutants and teenagers. I know it's hard to do, but if we take the result out of the equation, um, if I just look at the amount of kids who got an opportunity, and look, let, let's be honest, right? Not every player is going to make it at United. It's just the nature of the beast. You're going to have transfers and so forth. But if I look at what was played on um, on Friday morning for us, there were three, four players who I thought really put their hands up for future starts. Well, the, I'll go my three votes, Dylan Levitt. 100% agree. And, I thought, and he was rewarded with a... OK, he wasn't in the match day squad, but he was sort of the 18th or 19th man, sorry, for the Aston Villa match. So he, I don't, don't know if you can really call that as been rewarded, but I think um, Solskjaer did see a performance in there, and I was hoping he was going to be involved over Pereira. I think that was a bit of a long shot, but I thought Dylan Levitt was definitely a man of the match. Yeah, uh, you know what I love about him? The ability to have that long ball into the final third. Um, if you look at what Carrick brought to United, and I know people said, oh, he passed sideways, but anyone who <laughs> understands football saw what Carrick did. Levitt has that in his game, uh, and if I look at our current squad, I actually don't know anyone else besides Pogba who can do that yeah. um, Ethan Laird for two points he's fantastic isn't he um, we'll talk about the game this morning but it's very refreshing to see a fullback who can get forward yeah one Bissaka he's coming in for more and more criticism I, I think he's been fine I think actually I think he's been more than fine he's been very good but um, yeah two completely different types of fullbacks there yeah I think Lard is your modern type fullback yeah. to be fair People who get a boner over Alexander Arnold, Ethan Laird's your United version. Okay, um, you can. I don't know what to say there. Well, people get very excited about talking about Alexander Arnold. Find Liverpool fans meet. It's like erectile dysfunction, <laughs> but the opposite way. Um, okay, moving on to someone who doesn't provide that, Jesse Lingard. I thought he was probably. Well, I don't know if he's that good, but he's his first game captain in the side. Um, and got the only goal. I thought it was lively. Um, wasteful, albeit, um, in the final third, but very lively, creates space. And again, we'll talk about the game, but I thought when he came on, he actually had a positive impact against Aston Villa. So, um, no, I'm happy with Lingard getting yeah, the three I think his last three appearances, well, they haven't been great or fantastic. They've shown some type of improvement over the previous couple of months. Yeah, no, I'm happy, and I'm happy for him. You know, he's, he's a United fan at the end of the day. Yeah. So to captain his team, good for him. Okay, now we'll, at the end of the podcast, we'll do the 3-2-1 for the Villa match, which I think will be a little bit tougher. Um, but where on earth do we begin? I think we're just going to wing this podcast a little bit. Where on earth do we start with the Assassin Villa match? Uh, I want to start with 
I want to start with the form the formation, the way we're setting up the side, the, the selections. We all know that midfield is the underlying problem of this team, right? Like, there's weaknesses all over the pitch, but midfield is the real issue. And I know you you want to get into it, but Pereira for me. I mean, look, I, I don't think Fred is anything more than a squad player in a, in a top-class United side, but Pereira, goodness me, he was all over the shop. Like, in attack, he was really poor. That The pass to Brendan Williams in the 53rd minute, what was he thinking? It's, it's like you're pegging a brick at the guy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I just, no maturity in his performance whatsoever. And he's 24 years of age. He's not 18. I think some of, some of the things he does on the pitch, especially in this game against Aston Villa, and it's look, it's very easy for us to criticise, and he's a professional footballer. He's good at what he does. But some of the things I was seeing were up there were some of the worst things I've seen Man United players do. Just in terms of basics, decisions and technique. and Just... Um, is it, his career, I think, has to be over at United. I do not see a way back for him. Um, if he starts against Tottenham, we'll get into the whole Solskjaer debate. But I think if Solskjaer picks him against Tottenham, rewards his performances with another start, when you have players like Dylan Levitt or James Garner sitting there waiting, if Pereira plays again, and I don't want to say IVF oh, pulls the shirt on again, and that nonsense sort of thing, but if Solskjaer starts him against Tottenham, that's an, almost another nail in Solskjaer's coffin. Because Pereira's performances, and I understand there's a lot of a lot of injuries, so he's almost. I can almost understand why Solskjaer is picking him at the moment. Like, who else is there? There is the next in line is James Garner or Dylan Levitt, and it's hard to throw them into a must-win Premier League match. But Andreas Pereira, he's he, look, he's not the worst player I've seen in the United shirt. He's obviously got ability, but he's done. He's done. Yeah. I, I, I see nothing there. I don't know what happens between the years for the guy. I, just... I think that's the thing. Ability-wise, it's quite a good footballer. Oh, no doubt. Um, yeah. But potentially one of the dumbest I've seen. Yeah, he's, he just doesn't think. He, honestly, he just he looks like he just makes it up as he goes. Um, that's why you always see these... <laughs> he always loves this long shot that he tries. He never hits anywhere near the target. Um, he's defending, by the way. And I get he's a naturally an attacking player, but the defending against Grealish for the first goal. I, I think that Wonderful was... finish. But... Yeah, well, Jack Grealish is another one, but... Um... On that defending by Pereira, you can see he's trying to force him onto his onto his left foot and force him towards the goal line. And that's fine. If you get your body position in the, the correct um, position, that is fine. There's no point in having the perfect body position if you're sitting in the car park. Yeah. He was nowhere near where he should be. He had the perfect body position, but three metres away from where he should have been standing. Yeah. So Jack Rillish didn't really even have to shift the ball. He just had to shoot. Um, it was unbelievable. Like he's, Pereira sort of got in a position to say, OK, I want to show you down the line, I want to show you down the line. But he's standing nowhere near Grealish. Grealish didn't have to beat him. And, um, yeah, that comes down to just... I think it, it might sound a bit harsh, but it just comes down to sheer stupidity. It is. Grealish is a very right-footed footballer. Yeah. I, I don't recall him passing the ball once with his left foot during the whole game. He looked, he looked good, don't get me wrong, but... Um, Pereira, he just he, he fell for it. He just went committed too hard towards his left when he was had the ball on his right foot. Um, and then look, wonderful finish. Nothing to take away oh, from Grealish. Great, great poor defending, poor with the ball. And the, the cross, you can see with the cross, he's, he's got ability on the ball. And look, I don't want to criticise the cross at all. It's a fantastic ball, and yeah, it's obviously an assist in, in yeah. his stat column. But I'm telling you, that is one of the easiest crosses a footballer can do when the ball is rolling towards you and you can put a ball where it swings away from goal as the defence is coming out. So the ball's come, I think, from the corner yeah. out towards Pereira. So the defence is naturally coming out towards the edge of the 18-yard box. So the momentum of the defence is coming out and you can swing the ball in behind. 
it is a nightmare ball and it's quite an easy technique in terms of the way the ball is rolling onto you get a natural sort of curve on the ball so I don't want to criticise it at all but I think the cross looked a hell of a lot better than what it is so I would expect I would expect one Bissaka to put that cross in or Ashley I'm going to put that type of cross in so, so fair play to him he's sort of did his job there but um, that is really clinging it clutching at straws to try and find a positive for the match well I, I will find one positive um, United fans say Rashford closes his eyes when he heads the ball I'm pretty sure they were wide open when he put it in the back of the net. Well, Tom Heaton put the ball in the back of the net, not Rashford. Oh, well, uh, you're being harsh, think, mate. Do you think it was going in or off the yeah, post? Yeah, Was that off Tom Heaton? It was an own goal. Really? It came off the post. Now, there was spin on the ball where it might have maybe... It was definitely coming back out. It hit the post, came out towards Heaton. Well, that's how I saw it. I saw it off the post and into the back of the no, net. No, it came out of the goal and hit Heaton right. and went, then went back in. Well, However, there yeah. was spin on the ball. It right. potentially might have spun across. But um, I think they're quite rightfully, or harsh, but quite rightfully um, put down as, a, as an own goal. Okay. Well, was Rashford's eyes closed? We'll send it a VAR and we'll let you know. Well, he almost missed it, to be fair. Yeah, a nice header inside of the post, but yeah, very very close to missing it. Um, okay, that's enough for bashing. Who are we going to bash next? Oh, Lindelof. Lindelof? Yeah. The, the goal scorer? <laughs> yeah, mate, look. And I've personally been quite critical of him, but... While I think Maguire hasn't been perfect, what he does bring to the team is um, wonderful header of the ball, very strong defender, um, and I personally think he reads the game well. I know people say he doesn't. I personally think he does. Um, he can. Ha- he does have a tendency to get turned by quicker players. How to compensate that is you have to put a quick centre back next to him. If I look at the Grealish opportunity which he missed, which I don't know how he missed. The one where he slid in. Open net. Lindelof, instead of marking the man, try to play him offside, which is just real immaturity. That close to goal was up. It's insanity. Like, and the thing is, I'm, I don't want to keep going in on Lindelof, but if I keep thinking about the constant individual errors that he has made this season that lead directly to goals, I don't know what's happened to the player last season that we saw. We'll mention this before we start a recording. Lindelof played a lot as a left centre-back last season. I'm starting to wonder, is... Is there something about being on the right that just makes him not comfortable? Because like, I know like, I play as a left fullback. If I play a right fullback, I just don't, I don't feel as comfortable. It's the way I jockey. I put my different leg forward. and I, Perhaps it's an element of that with Lindelof. But at the end of the day, when you're a professional footballer, you need to be able to overcome those, especially as a centre-back pairing. And him and uh, Lindelof and Maguire, for me, just don't match. They're not helped by their midfield, and I definitely accept that. But for me, they're not working as a combination. And I think... So when Zabie, once he gets a few more minutes under his belt, comes in and replaces Lindelof. Well, the other thing, I was speaking to a few people on Twitter today and a lot of people question Harry Maguire and saying he's not worth worth the money. And I think the money argument is stupid. We've discussed that. It's no not one's even, worth no, the no, money, right? But it's not his fault. Yeah. But we're debating whether he's been good or hasn't been good, etc. And he has divided opinion, I understand that. But... Um, <clears throat> If you look at what he's asked to do, he's doing ten times more defending than other defenders have to do. Like Van Dijk does two bits of defending a game because Liverpool are always controlling the game. The Chelsea defenders, Chelsea controlling the game, so they don't have to do too much. United are defending 90 minutes of the game sometimes. They're always under pressure, so Harry Maguire's having to defend more, so naturally he's going to make more mistakes. Um, I'll just Josh left a comment. Um, it's been on the podcast before on the Facebook page. Thought maybe a good time to bring it up. Um, what are our thoughts on the players currently out online? Would any of them get into our current team, specifically Smalling, who's doing pretty decent at Roma? So just on that Lindelof thing, Harry Maguire, I think for both of us, picks himself. But that other spot will go Lindelof, Tuan Zabi, Marcus Rojo, and then 
Phil Jones and obviously potentially Chris Smalling. I can see why people would say put Smalling back in the side. And to be honest, if you look at the centre-backs we have, Smalling surprised me when I saw he went out alone. Like, you'd think he's the third best defender at, at the club. Um, in saying that, he stars in Italy because Italy's a slower style of football. I think that suits Smalling. Uh, the Premier League's much quicker. Smalling's really good against those... Like, like your Peter Crouches and um, your, your Deanies. Well, the, the game's always in front of Smalling, I believe, so he can deal with sort of aerial duels. The ball's never going to play behind to Jamie Vardy sort of thing. The strengths that Maguire has are the same strengths Smalling has. I'd say Smalling's quicker than Maguire, but the problem with Smalling, and especially the way that Solskjaer wants to play, whether we're playing that way or not, is another thing, but... He likes centre-backs who can play with the ball, and that's Smalling's biggest weakness. He's not very good with the ball. We heard Mourinho say it about uh, in the Europa League final, how he set up a system where, you know, he set up a system where Smalling would be protected because he's not good with the ball at his feet. So, yes, I can see why you would say that, but I don't think Smalling fixes the issue. Is he better than Lindelof as a defender? I'd say yes. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's hard. To, I think it's one of those things. Is we obviously need all. Well, can debate it, but I think we definitely do need a striker, and no doubt we definitely need midfielders. We need more than one midfielder, and hopefully more than one in January. But I think people are sleeping on centre back. I think that is still an issue we need to address yeah. in the transfer window. No doubt, it, yeah. It's maybe not a priority at the moment, um, but I think look, if we want to get to where we want to go, um, Harry Maguire is not enough. No, um, definitely going to need to improve. And if you're answering Joshua's question, the only other player we have on loan is Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> so um, um, <laughs> I don't know where he goes. I'm telling you, we could do with him. As bad as he is, we could do with another body because at the moment everyone's playing every week and um, we're coming into the Christmas period now where I'm sure we're going to pick up more injuries. Um. I wouldn't mind Sanchez on the right instead of James some games. Like I like Daniel James and I like how quick he is and the runs he makes, but he's a bit too one-dimensional in my opinion. Like I don't. Besides using his pace, I don't think he really offers a great variety in his attack or in his arsenal. Look, as bad as Sanchez is or as bad as he has been for, or was for United... He's still a professional footballer who, oh, yeah. um, or a very, very experienced professional footballer who's obviously got world-class ability and a lot of experience. So Score goals too. Um, haven't scored many for us. But, um, yeah, I, I think the squad would be better off with him there. But at the moment he's injured for Inter, so what can you do? Might, might have been a good call. Well, Put him on the bench. I, I think ultimately it's a good thing that we got rid of him. But um, it does beg the question what, what could happen um, if we did have him as an option. Okay, it was fun bashing Lindelof, Lindelof for a little bit. Who's up next on the chopping block? Uh, I'm good. I've gotten my... Do we want to address the is, elephant in is the room in, in Solskjaer? And it's, just it's, quite, it's quite harsh, mate. He's quite slim. Quite slim, yeah. Nice and slim. Doesn't have to worry too much about his cholesterol levels, I haven't heard. Well, what he does have to worry about is his job security. I think he's sacked after these two games. Uh, um, I think I can't say he's beaten Tottenham and City. We know what's going to happen at City. So um, we've picked up two points from two promoted sides in the last two games. Lost to Astana. I think it's almost a free hit. I have no issue with that loss. Yeah. Um, it's written in the stars for Mourinho to win at Old Trafford. I think that's going to happen. Plus Tottenham have a better team than us. So that usually nine times out of ten, the better team will win. City, away at City. We know, what, we know what happens there. I, I think we're going to get cleaned up there. So do, do you think... I think we'll, we'll, I'll get into Solskjaer's position and what we think of his position and a future manager, etc. But if you're the board and he loses the next two games, like, would you sack him? 
It's a really hard one because the thing that keeps me in is they didn't back him enough in the summer. And then you look at the team he has and I'm like, could other managers do better? And then I'm thinking, you know what? If he loses these two games, before I'll say no, but if you're borderline relegation and you're in December, there's a rebuild and then there's just completely failing. And I I hate to say it, but he's starting to tread that line. You know, it's a hard one. I'm really supportive of... I can see the positives of what he's doing. He's he's done a made a difficult decision in we need to get rid of some players, which ultimately did leave him thin. I'm sure he wanted more. Um, I, I like the way he's promoting youth. I like that Greenwood's getting minutes. Levitt had an opportunity with six debutants in a Europa League game. You don't see that, but in saying that, you can play all the kids in the world. It's about it. it's a results based business, isn't it? And he's just not getting the wins. I don't know where else. It's- we could debate it all day. Is he good enough? Is he the right man? All this. And there's no answer to it. Who, who knows? You can only judge a manager or judge a player at the, to- at the end of their career or at the end of their time at the club. Um, the issue I have, not the issue I have, the problem I have at the moment is the reaction online, on whether you call it Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, in terms of the treatment Solskjaer is getting. Um, you can want him out. 100% fine. And if I look deep down, take my bias aside, you're probably right. We probably should get rid of him. There's, there's better managers out there. United should have a better manager if they're out there. So deep down, you're probably right. We should get rid of him. However, the club is, has every single fan on strings. Because Solskjaer isn't the problem. Moyes was, looked to be a problem. Um, well, he got Fellaini. He, he got no backing. But probably the wrong man. Sacked. He was the problem. Get rid of him. Van Hal was a problem get rid of him. Mourinho was the problem, get rid of him. All these managers can't be the problem. Okay, but it's deflecting because how many million, how many millions of fans do United have? Well, we're as big as religion if you believe that. Okay, so, uh, you're putting the hundreds of millions. No doubt, yeah. Okay, let's, let's say 100 million. I'm telling you, the majority of that, the majority, I'm saying tens, twenties, thirties of millions of our fans are idiots. The, the majority, in terms of, we, we could have a good million fans, which is unbelievable, who know what they're talking about. But the majority is still in the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 million people. Generally idiots. Yeah. So they look on the surface to what the problem is. Okay? They, they see the manager as a problem. But that, that voice of those, that majority is so loud and people are so sort of influenced by what they hear. They really do believe Solskjaer is the problem. Solskjaer is a part of the problem, no doubt. You can't escape criticism. But um, Woodward and the board... They're happy to let Solskjaer take the blame. They took, let Mourinho take the blame. They let Van Hal take the blame. They let David Moyes take the blame. They're the one constant. So I don't see this treatment of Solskjaer. You, you can want him gone, but the way they're saying, oh, get him out, is, I don't care about the goal 20 years ago. If you don't care about that goal 20 years ago, your opinion holds no weight. It's not valid. You shouldn't be a United fan, yeah. Okay, that goal was probably the biggest moment of the club's history. Uh, if you want to forget about that, you can forget about yourself. Um, so, yeah, I sit here and... Yeah, if Pochettino's out there, maybe it is right to go get him. Um, but the treatment of Solskjaer, I'm sick of it, the way they're treating him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think there's a way to be sensible in your approach without going over the top. You don't insult the man's family. You don't um, question him as a human being, none of that. Um, my issue with what he's doing is his tactics I'm not a big fan of. I don't think he adjusts enough to what he's got, which I accept is quite thin. 
um, I questioned the decision to take off Martial in the game yesterday. Like, you're, you're chasing a game, and Sir Alex famously says, if you need to win a game, you throw everything at it. I don't think taking off your best finisher, natural finisher, is how you go at a game. Um, I think you can take off a midfielder. Pereira wasn't doing much. You, you know what I mean? You might as well just chuck off Fred, whoever well, it is. Well, where do you find that balance in terms of one playing Fred and Pereira, which we discussed before? It's almost he was forced into playing that okay, because they're the two fit players. If McTominay and Pogba are fit, I think it obviously changes the dynamic in midfield. Yeah. But he is also then, and again, we don't know how much influence he had over Woodward in terms of the transfer window. It was his. Ultimately, the manager is responsible, or seemed to be responsible, of the transfer business. He's got rid of a few number of players, and he's put himself in that position because you're always going to hit injuries throughout the season. So, I don't think it's all down to Solskjaer, but let's say for arguments, like he's put himself in that position where he only has Fred and Pereira available. Is that his fault, or is it just luck and injuries? Like, should he have accounted for it? I don't think it's. You can't put it on one person, unfortunately. There's there's a lot of people who come in. You know, there's a lot of people making these decisions, or as you said, Woodward. Like we're not, we don't have that, um, we don't have that insight. But if I look at, and I and I hear people, and I've seen it, like, oh, just throw Garner in there. Like, we're not at training every day. He has his reasons for not choosing Garner. Uh, uh, yeah, it's mean? very easy. I remember yesterday I called for Dylan Levitt to start. It's stupid. Dylan Levitt shouldn't start again at home against Aston Villa in a must-win yeah. game. Right? It's just your emotion as a fan. Want, want to see something different. No doubt. Um, but you can understand why Solskjaer picks Pereira for it. Yeah, and, and like that, that's the difficult thing. If I look at what's available, it's I have Pereira or I go for two kids who together have less than 10 Premier League games. Less than five Premier League games. No, I think with Solskjaer, one of the things, which is why I am not Solskjaer, and I, again, as I just said, I understand and probably deep down agree with why it's probably best to get rid of him. However, and again, we're not on the training ground, we don't see what's happening behind the scenes. What I believe is happening behind the scenes, I think when he event, because he's going to get the sack, Solskjaer's not the man to take us forward, he, he, he won't be manager next season. Okay, we're not making the top four, so he won't meet his goals, he'll get the sack. However, I think yeah, the next manager will be far better off what Solskjaer is doing now in terms of bringing in one or two of the players, one or two of the players have gone out. Um, some of the culture changes in terms of um, obviously get rid of Sanchez, get rid of Matic, get rid of Lukaku, players who didn't want to be there. Sort of, I don't want to say promoting Pereira, but sort of sticking with Pereira because Pereira, as bad as he is, he's one player who does want to be at United. So he's sort of rewarding that, I think. I think that's something that sort of means a lot to Solskjaer. So I think sort of instilling that culture a little bit and I think the next manager because there will be a man- next manager whether it be in two weeks or six months there will be a new manager I think will be better off what Solskjaer is doing now which is why I would keep Solskjaer now because bringing, bringing Pochettino now what's going to happen Nothing. He, he's still going to have to pick Fred and Pereira in midfield Yeah, but he still has to pick those two he can't pick Dylan Levin well, that's, as we said stupidity so um, I would stick it out or, and I definitely will stick it out with him um, I do think he's going to get the second after the City match um, and again I do agree with that in some parts but I also disagree with it in some parts you know where else it becomes a hard one um, if you look at the games we're losing it's not substantial losses like you just think it's such fine margins could an extra two, three, four quality players be the difference between winning and losing but we've, we've said that before we've said that when Falcao came in Di Maria came in Schweinsteiger came in Memphis came in um Mkhitaryan came in. All these players were supposed to make a difference. They didn't make a difference because 
it's all great bringing these great individuals in, but if you don't bring them into a winning team or a, a great team with great leadership, great experience, it doesn't matter. Okay, they're just a little little piece of the jigsaw which have, have nowhere to fit in. Yeah, I think what's killing Solskjaer is the results. Like Klopp did have dips when he started, but there was a progression that you could see. I hate to say it, but I just I don't feel like we're improving. I feel like the results are getting worse. I think the results, and look, no doubt the results are, that's a fact, they're getting worse. But where is that balance? Where, where do you draw the line on results and what he is doing off the field or potentially perceived to be doing off the field in terms of the positive that'll have in the future? And, okay, the results directly now. Well, there's coming 10th or 11th in a rebuilding season and then there's being in the relegation zone or flirting with the relegation zone. There's winning the matches you should win and then there's Losing to Crystal Palace at home, drawing to Aston Villa at home, losing, sorry, having a draw with Sheffield United. Sheffield United are above us in the ladder. You can't tell me that that's a better team than what United have. Well, I looked at the Aston Villa midfield, and get this is again back to bashing Fred and Perrin, which I don't want to do. But I looked at the Aston Villa midfield. Oh, it's better than the one that we played, no doubt. Just 10 times better. They're far yeah. better footballers. And, um,. There's a newly promoted side. McGinn is a much better player than what Pereira is. Jack Grealish. I, I was impressed. I've, I've watched him for, or not watched him for a couple of years. We sort of watched little bits here and there. And think, yeah, he's a very good player, but thought, yeah, this is a very good player. That you're good gonna, hair. You're going to see great legs. Great legs the way he wears his shorts and socks. He knows what he's doing. He got kicked a couple of times. <laughs> um, but always saw a very good player, but thought nothing too much of it. Like, you're going to have good players in the Premier League. But I watch him and you compare him to the United players. And he's always got a little bit of a link with United and yeah. especially Tottenham. I think. God, you could do worse than him getting in January if Solskjaer want to put a bid in. Yeah. If you look at the balance of the United squad as well, when does Wan Bissaka become a problem? Because no, he's not a problem. Hold on. There were so many opportunities he had where he got forward. And look, I'm not saying drop the guy, but his lack of quality in the final third, it's concerning to me because I'm starting to think like, is there something where he just doesn't have vision? Obviously, I didn't watch Crystal Palace under 18s. I don't know what he was doing when he was a winger. But his crossing ability just doesn't seem to be there. Yeah, and that, as I said, in the way you mentioned it with Ethan Laird in terms of the modern-day fullback, and the modern-day fullback is such an important part of a team or the attacking part of a team. And maybe this is too old school for me. He's a defender. He's a right-back. Defend first. And I, I can't be more pleased with the way he defends. Obviously, he's made a couple of mistakes here and there, but yeah. he's a young defender. Um, I've seen Bidditch and Rio Ferdinand make some of the most schoolboy errors you've ever seen. Yeah, no um, So, as a defender, I think Wamso has been fantastic. And yes, going forward, he's... Just frustrating. Just frustrating. Yeah. Um, I think it may be frustrating because it, it looks like he has the tools there. It looks like he knows what he wants to do. He's just maybe lacking a little bit of confidence and quality, so... I think there's room for progression, or I hope there's room for progression there. But um, yeah, no, I think I think it's hell of a lot of money, fifty million. But I think that's yeah. a very good bit of business. I just don't like the. I think the balance of that defence doesn't work for me at the moment. Like Brendan Williams is a defender first. I know he scored a brilliant goal last week, but I think they're both they're cut from the same cloth. So I think there needs to be a solution on either side long term. And not, not hating on Brandon Williams, I think there's a spot for a well, player I think like with that. Brandon Williams, everyone's got excited because he's sort of come and replaced Luke Shaw, replaced Ashley Young. He's a right-footed, very good defender. Like You, you look at where we want to be in terms of, let's say, Liverpool. You're not Andy Robertson. He's not going to get forward and get no. 15, 20 assists a season. But Brandon Williams is not the answer at left-back. No, he's not. I 100% agree with you. I don't think he's a starting fullback for United in a Premiership winning side. No, I don't. 
could see him as a squad player. Yeah. But, um, trying to think. Okay, enough a little bit on Solskjaer. I'm sure in the next podcast there will be a lot of managerial discussion because there's a certain Portuguese manager coming to Old Trafford. And as you just said off air, there might be a Mr. Pochettino in the grandstand watching. Oh, imagine the scenes. I want him next to Sir Alex <laughs> when United go 3-0 down. Oh. Oh. Well, that is, that is a strong possibility, but who knows. Um, but I'm sure there will be a lot to discuss there. Um, we, do you want to we'll preview the game a little bit? Yeah, uh, actually, but before we preview the game, um, Villa, 3-2-1. Do we want to do 3-2-1 to Villa? Phew. Scraping the barrel here, mate. Yeah. We might as well. Um, do you, do you I think, Ra- well, yeah, for me, Rashford gets the three. Um, uh, as wasteful as it was. Well, we're scraping the barrel. Who would you give three points? Look, no one, but okay. Well, first off, though, you go Rashford. I would say, as bad as he was, I thought, compared to his partner, which made things difficult for him, I'd give it to Fred, maybe. I thought Fred tried to make things happen. I saw the look on your face there. We're giving points out for for um, good facial gestures now, guys. We're, we're scraping the barrel. But By he, the way... But he was absolutely more than carrying Pereira. Like, he was playing with two hands tied behind his back. Yeah, it's true. Good thing he's got two wives to rub his back later. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll go Rashford three, Fred two. We are scraping the barrel. Anyone? Actually, there's a Facebook comment as well, and I'm gonna. You can say absolutely you're wrong and stop t- um, talking nonsense. But matter for one. I think that you know what matter actually very intelligent runs. I actually liked what he did. Well, I'll I really just, did. I'll give matter one because I want it. Um, but I'll just go to um, Robert on Facebook left a comment regarding Matter. I'll just read it out now and get your thoughts because I remember when I first read it I disagreed a little bit um, I'll just read a little bit of it um, sorry as I said last year Matter should have gone the club has gone soft the club has gone soft it used to be ruthless surely by next week Ollie will rightfully be gone after Spurs and City but back on his point about Matter and Matter did come in for a little bit of criticism obviously ended up getting substituted I don't think, I wouldn't say he walks into, but Pep takes him at Man City. Barcelona definitely wanted him. They don't want shit players. Okay, they want intelligent players who fit a system. Matter is just on a different level in terms of intelligence to the players around him. So he's on different wavelengths, and sometimes that's a sort of matters. So it takes away from his game. And so he, he's the one who looks at fault. Where really, if other players are on his level, it will click a lot more. I 100% agree with you. There was one run he made, and I know he got called offside. That wasn't his fault. That was Pereira's fault, not being able to read. I think that was run. That run. It might be that one. I feel it was a different one, but Pereira had the ball. It might be the. I feel which one you're talking about. But Matter made a run First off the ball. First half. Was, Towards Pere- our goal. Pereira had the ball, yeah. and um, Matter made the run. I saw, almost saw the facial expression on Pereira, and it's almost, where are you going? But like, looking, uh, where's Matter? Took his run. It shouldn't have been. This where, is when he got called offside. Uh, right? It, it yeah. must have been. And yeah, the pass was a little bit delayed. Um, if Pereira at, reads that, he looked at him and said, "Where's Matter going?" Really He's ball, like, yeah. oh, I should have just played it early. Just um, yeah. So look, I understand the frustrations with Matter, but um, look, Pep, he'd walk into a City team and replace David Silver. David Silver is injured. Barcelona definitely wanted him. There was there was concrete interest there. Um, they don't want shit players. No? So um, look, I get that you know, he doesn't have that physicality and sort of speed that people sort of crave these days, but. Um, I'll tell you what, mate, so I'd replace, I, I could replace four or five players in that United team before I replace Matos, so. Yeah. Um, okay, then three, two, ones, Rashford, Fred and Matter. 
that is scraping the barrel, the bottom of the barrel. By the way, the criticism over Brendan Williams for I know we were, they were uh, meant to push out. Jeez, well, man, he's an eighteen-year-old kid. Give yeah, him a break. Uh, I that that's not happened. So I've done that plenty of times where you, you think the pass isn't going to come in and you one meter, one meter makes all the difference. But this is what we come back to, right? When you talk about, oh, play Garner, play Levitt, this is what, playing kids, this is what happens. Everyone else pushed out, but when you're a kid, you lack that concentration sometimes because the pace of the game is just so much quicker. Yeah. And we're dependent on him to be fantastic now. Yeah. He's not coming into when we're 3-0 up to have a bit of experience. He's our first choice left back now. There's pressure with playing kids. It's easier to say whatever. By the way, the baby face assassin, Solskjaer, jeez, he's aged, doesn't he? So the job will do to you. Um, now we'll finish up with a little bit of a, a preview, but touch on the Tottenham game because this, be this a, is a big game. This is going to be big. Mate, call in, call in the Australian Army, call in the US Army, um, call the police, call the federal police, because I feel like there's going to be some serious criminal action happening at Old Trafford, and uh, unfortunately, the men in red are going to be the sufferers of the criminal action. I think it's going to be a long night and I just think regardless of the quality of both teams, regardless of both managers, I just think it, sometimes football is written in the stars and it's written for Mourinho to come back and win at Old Trafford. And um, Tottenham have a better team, Tottenham have better players. I hate to say it, Tottenham have a better manager. Um, I think Tottenham are going to win. I unfortunately can't disagree with you. Do we change the way we line up? Because for me, if you... If, so if, we're assuming Pogba and McTominay are fit. I think one will be back. I think McTominay will. Straight back into the starting yeah, lineup. Has to. Do you play with a three-man midfield? Because for me, it's a must in this game. The way you define a three-man midfield, yes. In terms of the way I see it, if you play 2-3-1, um, that is technically a three-man midfield. But for me, yeah. I have to play three. So one sit in and yeah. then two match Tottenham. Because Tottenham will play 4-2-3-1. Yeah. I think our two advanced midfielders have to match, I assume, be Sissoko and Dyer, um, or Sissoko and Winks. Um, or Dyer and Wings for, for that matter um, yeah so I think it has to be one which it won't be which is a criticism of Solskjaer no doubt um, I think we need one sit in and two pushing on their sort of holding midfielders if Pogba's back he's fi- he prefers a three man midfield there's your positive I, I think if Pogba is back you'll play Fred and McTominay and Pogba pushing on yeah I know this sounds can I not be sensible can I be a fan for once please, please. if McTominay and Pogba are 100% fit start them play them for 90 minutes if it means we get the result against Mourinho and so we don't have to watch him prance up the sideline and go to the Stratford end tap in the Tottenham badge the way he did to the Chelsea fans when he was with us he'll be doing that anyway I'll take it I want Pogba to you know what if Pogba scores in the 90th minute and gets us the win let him leave in January with my blessings um, well I think yeah, I think Pogba will play a big part um, with this week coming up personally I don't think it'll be the Tottenham game I think he'll come back for the City game but he's one of those players you're just going to have to throw him back in and he's not match fit and he might come back into a game like that against Tottenham or City massive games he comes in after months not playing not fit and just naturally you might not have a good performance and you can imagine the criticism that he'll come under then. Do you expect Tottenham to sit deep? I think so because I think that's why you beat United I think let United have the ball um, we won't find a way through and then um, obviously at the moment, we're playing with Fred and Pereira. You can get at that midfield, which means if you get at the midfield, you get at the back four, and you're going to create chances. So. Mourinho was a pundit um, for the United versus Chelsea game, opening game of the season. And what he did criticise Chelsea for was 
being so adventurous against United. He said himself, he's like, you play a low block against United because they can't break it down. No. He's saying that as not just the pundit, but a former manager of these players. So I definitely expect them to actually sit deep and catch us on the counter. And they've got the pace to do yeah, it. They've got the pace, the scary thing. Um, they've got Lucas Moura and Son. On the, and obviously, you don't have to say anything about Harry Kane through the middle. Yeah. Yeah, Deli Ali seemed to find his form as well. So, um... It is a frightening week. A decent kickoff time for once for us at 6.30 in the morning. Um, yeah, one way to ruin your Friday junior. It can ruin breakfast at least rather than yeah. ruin 3.30am. We're not going to catch up before the... Um, no, we will actually. Never mind, scratch that. Scratch that. Um, I'll see you. Uh, we'll definitely be chatting um, yeah, post-Tottenham. No, yeah, um, that is Thursday morning for us here in Sydney, so we'll definitely maybe grab some dinner on Thursday night to discuss um, Man United's new manager. Because um, I'm sure that'll be this discussion point on Thursday night. Um, just about wraps up for this week. Again, thank you everyone for listening and interacting on Facebook and Twitter. And again, we say kindly, could you, if you're holding your phone now, which you definitely are, Larry is at the time, can you just log on to iTunes or Spotify and just give us a rating? Can you see there? Or you scroll, scroll through Tinder? What do you think of, what do you think of this profile? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, but please give us a review or a rating or just anything that works on that platform would really help us along. We're um, really enjoying all the feedback. It's all very positive, which is good, even though the football isn't. Um, also, if anyone in Sydney, our supporters club has our Christmas meeting on Monday at Club on East Sutherland, so I'm sure we'll put on Facebook um, the details about that. Um, we'll record a podcast on that night, I think, because that is the day of the Manchester derby. So if you want to come down and moan about the Manchester Derby, please do. Um, we'll definitely record a podcast on that day. And, um, yeah, thank you again for listening. Hopefully it's a bit therapeutic for you and let a bit of steam out. See you post-Tottenham, mate. Unfortunately. Have a good one. Cheers.